Welcome to episode 111. Today we talk about blockchain, ICOs, and everything around 10 and what it, it's used for. Thank you very much, Marco, for being on the show. Make sure to stay tuned. Welcome everybody to a new episode of the Startup Show. Today we are here at the Lakeside Partners offices and together with a startup uh, tent with the CEO and co-founder, uh, Marco. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm Marco. I'm a former banker, 20 years in the banking industry in uh, two large companies. Decided now to start my own venture. Um, in private, I do a lot of sports, uh, <laughs> a family, and it keeps me busy as well. So um, I have a lot of interests, which I try to fit into my busy schedule of sure, working. Sure, yeah. absolutely. You um, used to work for a very big uh, uh, bank here in Switzerland, and you were in charge of like really fostering this innovation within within this bank. How, how did that go, and how would you say, would you, let's say, define innovation, number one, and number two, like the key I would say, um, guidelines to actually get innovation done? First of all, I think every big company has a lot of innovation potential, and that goes from small innovation on the day-to-day -day operations uh, into larger-scale programs. Obviously, it's really important that the entire company embraces an innovation spirit and has a culture of um, endorsing new things and basically not saying, well, we've done the same thing for 10 years, so it works good, uh, <laughs> as time is changing outside. So this adaptation culture is really uh, a very important element. Mm -hmm. Also think, or what I thought is really important, is that you make very good, quick wins that people see there's progress. Mm -hmm. um, if it takes too long, people will lose the belief that a change is going to happen. Mm -hmm. So um, that was a, an important element as well. And the third part, which I believe is really important, involving the people in that process. I always call it co-creation. Yeah. So you won't have the people being part of shaping the innovation on the next kind of offering, the next kind of service, the next kind of model. Yeah. And um, I think that was very helpful. If you have to define innovation, do you have like, let's say, this? It's, this it's for me, innovation is for me a change in the business model. So it's very broad. Yeah. Meaning it's the way you operate, you change it. The way you serve customers, yes. you change it. The way you make money, you change it. That was for me innovation. Mm -hmm. So I have a very uh, perspective of innovation. Mm -hmm. Some other people have just a, a smaller one, a minor one, and say, <laughs> you know, a change in the product is already innovation. Yes. So, but for me, it was, was more broader scale. Yeah. Um, before we start talking about Tent, I would like to ask you one of these questions that I always get specifically from students who want to know, why did you make, let's say, this shift from corporate life to this entrepreneurship style? I think everybody has at one point in the career a point of, of a decision yeah. where you say after 20 years in a corporate life, is there something else out? Yeah. And I felt this has now happened to me. And particular because I feel the outside world is now in a mode of really redefining and changing the way economies work, the way society works so dramatically that I said, I want to be part of shaping that future rather than continuing what I did 20 years. So I felt it's, it's a perfect moment for me. How was this transition? Very smooth, because I always felt like even within the you know, large corporations, very entrepreneurial, I had always very big freedoms to actually pursue what I believe was right and being successful there. Um, so for me, actually going out was, was almost 
no no transition phase for me. So maybe because of the history of how I operated already. (laughs) Well, very good. Okay, so let's not hold back our audience for much longer. And I really would like to get some kind of insights or let's say a quick elevator pitch about Tent and what you guys do. We create an investment world which should reflect the passion and the interest people have and make it possible for them actually to create a return, an investment return with these investments and the same time enjoying it. Mm-hmm. So what I really felt what's missing in the world is something that, well, people can spend their money or invest their money into something that is really joyful for them. Today, if you do that, it's typically very theoretical and very, uh, let's say, only finance oriented. Whereas I think people move away from being just finance oriented to much more emotionally oriented, experience oriented, and they want to get a bit more out of life yeah. than just wait very long for a return. And so with Tent, we, we enabled that um, new world of investments, which previously have probably only been possible for the super rich. And we do that by using the blockchain technology to enable co-ownership and actually make it very accessible and tradable and kind of really efficiently manageable on the right. chain. So what I like to do is like to really break it down uh, so so I fully understand like how you yeah. how you kind of like, let's say I use your product or your token. Maybe you can walk me through like the process. So let's say I own a Porsche. Yeah. What happens now? That's the famous brand. <laughs> exactly. It's real. Um, so um, what happened is we have an uh, owner who had that Porsche and he uh, wanted to sell it. So instead to go to the open market, he came to us and said, I like the platform. It's really cool. Um, we went through a due diligence process of evaluating the quality of the car, the authenticity, so all the documents, and basically agreed that we're going to issue 10 tokens for co-ownership on this portion. Mm-hmm. The 10 tokens, actually, the existing owner will get back, and he is then selling it on the platform to potential 10 co-investors, right? Yeah. So this will be made available into the, let's say, streams on the digital applications for the potentially interested uh, users on my platform, and they can just buy it if they really want it. Mm-hmm. What then happens is it's going to be a pending order in the blockchain system, and we're going to trigger that you, of buying the token, need to transfer the money, which was agreed in the token, to the existing owner. Mm-hmm. Once that happened, then basically we settle the token and it goes into your wallet, and you are owner then of this one-tenth of, of this car. And as a second step, because you're owner of this token, you have then the agreed right to get an experience with it. In that case, it would be you have the right to use the car and drive the car two days a year. So we have a calendar function in your app. You just call it up. You see next weekend it's free. (laughs) You want to spend it with friends. You want to show the car them. You book it. You pass by to Porsche where the car is hosted and serviced all the year. They know you're coming by. They make it ready for you and you drive it, you make your memories and bring it back the next day. Yeah. Porsche will then actually make a report in that case about um, how it came back, how many kilometers was driving, so it's visible then to the other 10 co-owners. Mm-hmm. So you invest into it, it appreciates, but already you can enjoy it and have kind of fun <laughs> on it. But like, can you explain me, like one of the key things is that also when I was doing my research is about logistics. Yes. Um, so I don't know where you live, but let's say you live in Basel. I live in Zurich. How how does the how can we use the same Porsche if we are part of like let's say the same 
So Same you, 10 tokens. Yeah, so so our model is basically, it's a city model, more or less. Uh, now, Switzerland is a big city in itself. <laughs> the other countries we go to the mega cities like, you know, Sao Paulo, 20 million people, or Mumbai, 25 million. So they have even more at one space. But the whole idea is actually, first and foremost, it's an investment. It's not for daily use, mm -hmm. right? Like I said, you want to or have the right to drive it twice a year. Yeah. So um, it should still be in the proximity where you can access it, but it's not something that of, of daily need, right, to be very close. So I believe in Switzerland it will still work in, let's say, the northern part. We're going to see what we need to host in Geneva or in Lugano, mm -hmm. other places. But the, the idea is we have a central place where um, the objects are served and basically made accessible from everyone from the outside. Um, and yeah, maybe the 60 minutes uh, from Basel to Zurich are worth the, <laughs> yeah, for, for, the, sure. for, the, for the drive. Yeah. For sure. oh. Now, you, you mentioned that like you use the, the blockchain technology. Yes. I guess these days when you go to investors and you say AI and blockchain, uh, they basically, yeah. basically write you a check. Uh, can you explain to me maybe how in, in your case, um, which I believe the blockchain technology can really be useful, but yeah. maybe you can explain also to my audience how you leverage, let's say, the blockchain technology for your specific yeah. use case. There are several reasons why a decentralized ledger system is better than a centralized one. Mm -hmm. yeah, also in my case specifically. Number one, most of the objects we have do not have a publicly visible history. Mm -hmm. So at least going forward, having that interactions, that um, documentation on a decentralized ledger, temper-free, is a great value for future investors because yeah. you're going to see what has happened, right? So great transparency on the objects, which has not been in the past. Yeah. So that's the one stream. The second is that through the blockchain, you get an out-of-the-box trading application, basically through the smart contracts, where people can buy and sell it, right? And it's totally transparent how that works. Mm -hmm. The third element is that I will have a number of what I call ecosystem partners helping to make the offering work. Now, in old world, you need to have data interfaces with all the service providers. That's cumbersome, that's error prone, and you need to sync up all the time. Mm -hmm. At the blockchain, you have the same status yeah. all the time, everywhere. So that's fantastic. And the fourth one, and I believe that's really super important in my case, there's no counterparty risk. Today, um, you have always a counterparty risk in a central organization, right, that yeah. it fails. If you use decentralized applications, basically, I never have ownership of the assets. Even if Tent would go insolvent, the owners of the cars, of the vineyards, they still have documented they are the owner of it. Right. So you have actually that, that great functionality or a great feature that there's no central counterparty risk anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's why we use, uh, sure. and, and that's high value assets, right? So people will feel very Risky. comfortable uh, and secure that basically whether Tent exists or not, they own that. I mean, you decided now to go for, let's say, an ICO, initial coin offering, yes. way of trying to fund your, your startup. Um, maybe you can elaborate why you decided to go, let's say, with an ICO versus, let's say, the conventional VC angel type of funding. Yes, there are the same advantages, I believe, uh, <laughs> exist in the ICO world versus the VC world, given there was kind of a, a lot of negative press and concerns around it, um, given my background, I thought actually I can shape a new world of make it sustainable. Mm -hmm. I truly believe ICOs are really important for the world because they generate a lot of innovation and the world needs more innovation. Yeah. And a lot more people get access to fund innovation. A lot more people who have ideas simply can go out and say, this is my idea, 
do you believe in me? And get money and get going. In the traditional world, that's almost not possible, right? A normal startup is actually sitting in his offices, try to make appointments to a VC, and maybe he gets one, but it's very limited in scalability. ICOs give you basically the open world, and that's fantastic, and I believe that's necessary. And I, I felt like the product is democratizing access to these most beautiful things that yeah. you can have. Also, the funding needs to have this democratization aspect, and so we went for it and now shape basically new standards of how ICOs can be yeah. uh, conducted. And when we look a little bit, let's say, into Crypto Valley, where we are right yes. now here in Zug, and it's been in the press a couple of times in the last few weeks um, that we try to shape, let's say, Switzerland into a blockchain crypto hub. Uh, what's your perspective on this? And where It's, do you it's see? a huge chance for Switzerland, seriously. I believe that's um, really probably one of the biggest levers Switzerland has to put itself on number one world map. This crypto wave and blockchain wave will not go away. It's really very, very strong globally. Mm-hmm. And there's no country better suited than Switzerland to own that because it's all about decentralization and Switzerland is probably the most decentralized country in the world uh, from a structural point. And it has all the innovation power, uh, being one of the most innovative countries anyway. So I think it has all the ingredients to own that space. And I believe that's big and we should fully go for it in Switzerland to own that. So what's missing for us to become? I think some of the frameworks around it, like how you you know, for example, just the ICO world, how actually you can conduct it, you make it sustainable, you make it uh, compliant with uh, new regulations. And all this needs to be shaped, right? And I think that's super important. And I think more embracing of the technology by a lot more players in the markets would be as well appreciated. So we're still early in that kind of adoption of this technology. So it's just here that uh, the first 30, 40 companies start to get going, but yeah. it should be 100, 200 companies here. <laughs> I believe that it, it will be if actually build the surroundings correctly. Yeah, I mean, the blockchain technology is, is in everybody's uh, mouth and everybody's talking about it. Do you see like now when you walk around here in, in the crypto valley, maybe some applications that you say like, well, these will be kind of like the enablers for blockchain and cryptos to become mainstream. Also, you know, to put us on the, on the forefront. I think there are some companies out here, definitely. I believe even that, like in any early innovation, there will come now new ones, which are start now, which we just see at the surface, and who will uh, dominate it. I believe that the variety of companies we have now, starting the 30, 40, they will make their way because they have a first mover advantage at the Mm -hmm. moment. I don't want to name now a few of them because that would be unfair to to, (laughs) to the rest. To the other ones. (laughs) No, seriously, because everybody is trying so hard to get this going. And it's, it's a great spirit. And what I really love in the blockchain community is it's all, we are in this together. And it's very collaborative. It's how I can help you, how we can fit together, because it's this vision. You, you work on the same common ledger at the end, right? And you have your applications running on it, and we are into it together. So it's, it's a very nice spirit. Well, I'm happy to hear that. That's what I've been trying to tell everybody in the startup world, that like this is something so important. And that's what also I'd say, I would say, put like the Silicon Valley and Tel Aviv and Berlin really up there because of this collaboration yes. among all of them. Today's uh, question, I came in through my WhatsApp group, which seems to be the best place to curate this question so far. But again, if you are on any social media channels, you should be able to follow me there and get to see uh, these banners where I announce the next um, interview partners. Now, today, the question came in from Andreas 
Page, I think that's how you pronounce his last name. And he is in charge at Swisscom for the digital business unit. I think you should know him. Um, and he asked the following, what is the problem Tend is solving? And is Tend more a technology, a service company, or a bank? Good question. <laughs> okay, uh, that's a good question. Thank you for asking. <laughs> um, so, so we are a hybrid of a technology and service company, definitely. Yeah. Uh, I would rather say even a big logistic company, as you mentioned <laughs> before, about you know where things are. We are platform business per se, right? And so... It's technology, it is service, but it's also the underlying logistics which are key to us. The problem we, we are solving is that a lot of people, like I mentioned before, they want a more emotional return or a connection to the money they actually invest. And that goes beyond just you know parking money somewhere and waiting 10 years that it gets more. And with a lot of people I spoke, there's like, I want to make a positive impact to the world or you know, if I invest money, I want to learn something out of it. And that's what we try to solve. That as a gap today, how you can invest your money, which gives you that additional returns that today's world is not offering. So it's, it's really a, a lot more enrichment of yourself, of your experiences, of your skill sets, of your know-how, um, which we want to do through investments. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And it gives you access to people who might not be able to Like-minded community yeah. as well, right? Absolutely. People that share the same interests and passions and, yeah. and all that is not existing. And I feel this generation now that is coming up very strong in many markets, they feel this is really needed. That, that's how they live their life in, you know, beside investments. Yes. Yeah. It sounds very familiar to like the whole startup investment area because, yeah. again, yes. this is also something that is usually only for... Uh, people with higher income or higher uh, network. We need to democratize this as well, right? This as well, well. Yes. Here you go. That was my idea. <laughs> <laughs> so the first one, you have to finish a sentence, okay? Ready? The most important character for an entrepreneur is? Courage. Courage. What's the best selling strategy? A word of mouth. What would you like to see in the next five years in your ecosystem? A lot of fast um, joint cooperation and really the drive to conquer the world. Who do you admire in the startup world? Elon Musk. Why, may I ask? Yes, <laughs> uh, the courage to try everything and go beyond current boundaries and just proves that you know things are possible, which 99% believe it's not. Pushes the boundaries, yes. definitely. What's your best advice for getting customer feedback? Engage with them, speak to them, interact with them constantly. Do that regularly and, and never stop. Never stop listening to the customer. Do you have any, let's say, specific tool or strategies you use to actually... We, we, we do have one-to-one -one sessions. We do have a lot of data. We also observe out how they use the, the app, for example. We have a person just dedicated to customer insights doing that nonstop and yeah. being very trained of how to ask the right questions, get the right things out. So Very important, I guess. No, without customer, it's no business. <laughs> That's true. As simple Absolutely. as that. Before we end this show, you get about one minute to give us your piece of wisdom that you want to make sure the future generation knows before. What is it that you can say of like, this is, I'm, a, I'm an expert in and I would like to give you that type of advice that you should take with you. Um, so for the next generation, I, I believe we enter a world of accelerate, accelerated speed of change. So constant learning, never stop learning, never stop trying out new stuff mm -hmm. becomes essential. You will not survive. Just forget that you will have an outlook of 10 years doing the same job or the same, or working in the same environment. 
it will change constantly. And this adaption and the ability to learn, I believe, is the most important skill set that everybody should develop. That's not only in technology, that's basically in any kind of work environment you are in. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really uh, what I believe it's decisive that you get onto the board of your mindset, never stop learning and exploring new stuff. Mm-hmm. I guess that's a beautiful word to end this show. Never stop learning. Thank you very much for being on the show today. And thank you very much, everybody who tuned in today. Uh, stay all the way till the end of this video. Thank you very much and have a great day.